What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast here in my uh, ever-improving podcast studio. Shout out to Andrew Claudio, the best producer in the business. I now have... Jeremy, what do you call the when the mic actually, like, it? it's on like a like a crane? It, that's, it, it can't be called a crane, right? We could just, a stand? Well, this is a small stand? No, it's like... It attaches onto the desk that I'm sitting at and then it like it goes up and then it goes over and then the microphone now hangs down in front of my face. Let's call it a crane. I like that. It, it, okay, cool. Um, Jeremy Cohen, my co-host, of course, extraordinaire. Um, how are you? How are you doing? I'm great. I uh, I had a lot of crabs from Maryland today. I'm not in Maryland, but... Um, That's it was awesome. fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of beer. So I'm all sodiumed out, <laughs> just, uh, just pounding water. So I don't get a migraine, but everything's great. How are you, John? I'm, I'm, I'm just more, hold on. We need to talk about the crabs a little bit more. Sure. Um, did you get them shipped from a restaurant? Did you get them shipped from like a market or something or? Yeah. There's a really great place in Newark. It's called crab palace. Okay. And, um, they do fantastic crabs uh that's great it's just great old bay seasoning yeah and, that's all uh, you need a lot of salt and it's it's just a it's a yearly tradition we do it at my girlfriend's parents place and it's fantastic so uh, this was another successful year and i look forward to uh more crabs in the future i um me and my wife and we we brought our daughter down to baltimore for uh a crab slash aquarium expedition uh, last summer and uh oh boy Oof. yeah just, just really L- lp steamer steamers is the the place i've been there probably like a half dozen times in my life never disappoints yeah baltimore's uh, awesome yeah no baltimore's very right. cool um because very very like bushwicky scene in like an area that used to be like that the restaurant is located in an area that you used to not want to go in and now it's like you can't afford the rent there yep um it's happening everywhere. Um, okay. So um, it has been a busy week, I think. Um, let's see. What should we open? I guess let's – you want to talk about the Kenny Payne thing first briefly? Yeah. That's that's probably the uh, easier thing to discuss. Yeah. Because that's – I think that's fairly quick and dirty. So um, – <laughs> God. I, I need to talk to reporters and like journalists who have actually been to like journalism school about how – They do their job because I'm finding it increasingly difficult to um, not to like read, you know, read the room and like kind of know what's real and what's not. That's I get that. But 
you know, you get these snippets and then you get other snippets and then you try to put them together. Like, but just like knowing right, like, what are the right questions to ask or like if something maybe doesn't quite add up being like, hey, how did you know this but without coming off like, you know, um, you're questioning the validity of what the person's saying, like things like that. Um, maybe I should go to journalism school in my spare time because I have a lot of spare time. Yeah. Uh, why not? Anyway. Um, the latest I heard is is just basically what I tweeted, which is that um, Kenny Payne, like he, the he accepted, like he wants to come and and be an assistant coach with the Knicks, um, and that uh, he had they made him an offer, and I I think if I if I understanding what happened correctly, he went back to them with his demand. Which is the number that I, I tweeted out earlier today that that starts with a two, and uh, my goodness, um, that I mean that would make him the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA. Um, I don't know if they have met that demand, but my understanding is that there there is like a principal agreement, but at the same time, um, I I still can't say that it's definitely going to happen. Um, I I find this to be pretty significant. Kenny Payne coming to the Knicks. And I don't know if that's me just going back and reaching for the Kool-Aid for the hundredth time, but how, how do you read this uh, potential acquisition, Jeremy? So one thing that I find really fascinating is that his son, Alexander, is enrolled at University of Kentucky. Yeah. And if you are essentially leaving the opportunity to coach your son to make that vault uh, and and take a promotion, it's got to be pretty significant because I would imagine, like, I don't have children of my own, but John, if you had the ability to work with your <laughs> daughter in a finite period of time, that's interesting. And now you're essentially saying this is a great opportunity, but there's also something that's really calling my name. That's a big deal. And I'll be honest, I didn't know very much about Kenny Payne. And by very much, I mean, I really didn't know anything about Kenny Payne before this process. But the one uplifting thing that I found is if you scroll through a lot of the Wildcats fans tweets, uh, if you ignore the ones that are, why is Kenny Payne going to a team like the Knicks, the Knicks are trash, then you can kind of just sort through those and you see all of the fans who say, I really don't want Kenny to go. I want him to stay. He means so much to this organization. And if you can bring someone that's that beloved, and there's an article that I read on ESPN this past weekend where others have probably read this too, but um, I Googled Anthony Davis and Kenny Payne because, of course, that's you're just going to naturally have that next step. And there's a great article that features the two of them and also Carl Anthony Towns and the relationship that each player has with him and how they consider him an uncle. Again, this is something we consistently say. It's all about connections. Connections are everything. But if you can have this this type of person who's not only connected but revered for the work that he's put in, that feels pretty significant to me as well. I I don't know. Uh, I think like I'm I'm sure as as you did. I read the athletic article that um, was written about him. I think it was earlier this season that was, you know, there were a bunch of people quoted. It was Carl Anthony Towns was quoted in it. And I think PJ Washington was in there and Devin Booker. And my God, how many great NBA players went to Kentucky? And of course we <laughs> currently employ the one that has not turned into much, but the, hey, the two, there are two of them actually. The, uh, that has Julius Randle and Kevin Knox. 
See, but no, but look, Randall earned himself a $63 million contract. That was, you know. Fair. More in the sense of you look at some of the best big men in the game, how several of them have been produced by Kentucky. And then uh, Randall is certainly a notch or two below them. Again, but I agree. No, I mean, look, there's Michael Kidd, too. You know, there's there's a few others. But um, that'd be actually a fun exercise, ranking the the Kentucky players under the the Coach Cal regime. Uh, Something for another day. just the like, I don't know. I I tend to read more into stuff like how it's not what people say; it's how people say it, so to speak. If that makes any sense, even though you're reading it from a page, and you just you kind of got a sense that this guy is. And and the other thing I'll say, looking through Twitter this morning, um, uh, Kentucky Twitter, as it were, uh, people are kind of. Uh, not too happy that he may not be there anymore. Apparently they find him to be, I, I think if I was able to generate a, a general consensus from what I read, at least it's like after Cal, he's like the second most important part of the program, Um, which again would lead you to believe if he's leaving that, you know, um, forget about coaching his son. I mean, not that he still couldn't go back and take over for Cal someday, and maybe he will, but I don't know. It, it, you'd think he would do it only for the right opportunity and and <laughs> and a boatload of money <laughs> because, yeah, you know. Um, and the only other thing I'll, I'll throw out there, um, aside from that, this is something that I think will probably get done in the middle of this week. Again, barring anything unforeseen, is that... Um, um. Oh, that's right. I think we keep hearing about the player development stuff, and this maybe will be a nice little segue into um, the our the main conversation we're going to have today. He's going to be in charge of of a lot of that, and I think it's interesting because there you're putting a guy who, aside from Wes, maybe you know, maybe has the best Rolodex in the entire organization. Right. But he's also going to be in charge of developing your young talent. So I, listen, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm good by me, you know? Yeah. Feels like two birds and one stone. So. <laughs> That's perfect. As opposed to what the Knicks usually do, which is just throwing stones into the air and having them uh, drop down and hit them uh, on the forehead. But they don't even aim at birds. It's just kind of like launching them up. Like you just throw it directly up. You know I what think, I mean? Yeah, I think they smash the, the stones on their head. Um, they don't even throw them. Um, oh, there's a, there's a bird on my head. Let me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, this is this is what this fandom of this team does to you. Uh, okay, um, so you, I wrote a piece last week in which I mentioned uh, a young man in Utah by the name of Mr. Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. Um, had, had himself a nice game yesterday. I don't know if you watched any of that, but man, it's like, I feel like th- he's going to have a lot of these stat lines in his career where I think he was like 11 for 28, which you look at and you're like, oh my God, that's preposterously bad. But you watch the game and you're like, th- like it's undeniable the positive effect that he's having on the court. Um, he and took that- over. Yeah, you very well said. And I, I went through it and he scored 20 points. He ran out of gas, I think, a little bit in the second overtime. But like the last 10 seconds of the game, plus the two overtime periods, which is 10 minutes and 10 seconds, he scored 20 points. That's, you know, I'll take that. Um, I have heard that he maybe uh, doesn't want to be in Utah long term. And, uh, you know, Jalen Rose said something to this effect last week. And, I think 
it's maybe not an open secret, but like this isn't the first intimation I've heard of this. Um, and I guess we'll get our answer come October 17th, right? Um, and, uh, you know, when he's just for those who don't know, Donovan Mitchell's entering his fourth season. So in the NBA, when you're entering your fourth season, you're eligible to sign an extension with the team that drafted you. And uh, or if you've been traded like before, uh, you're eligible for that. And uh, he'll be eligible to sign it with Utah. And they're, I would imagine, certainly going to put a max contract in front of his face on whatever it is, 6 p.m., midnight, whatever the, the time date is. And if he signs it, then, you know, uh, whatever I heard is definitely bullshit. But if he doesn't, then I think we have something on our hands and it gets into um, what you wrote about for today when the folks at home are listening to this. Because this uh, the piece that you wrote is going to be on Monday's Knicks Film School newsletter. So... Um, I'll throw it over to you. You want to give a little, I mean, don't, don't give away the piece, but kind of maybe give the gist of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that the news, I guess the report, if you want to call it that that you had, that Jalen Rose had, it kind of inspired me to think about getting talent into Madison Square Garden or whatever bubble the Knicks are playing in. Um, you know, I mean, we, we could use Donovan Mitchell as an example here because I think just based on everything around us in terms of finding young talent or at least trading for it, he is a perfect example. I, I can't, I've been trying to determine what the next best step for the Knicks is, at least in my opinion. And I know that a lot of fans are very protective, overly so in a lot of ways, and I can understand why, but overly protective in terms of assets and the assets that the Knicks have. And so what I pretty much wrote about was this desire to get your guy in the building, even if he's not necessarily one of the five or ten best players in the world, getting someone who is of his age, of his caliber, of his salary, honestly, because this a potential deal for him would take place while he's still on his rookie contract, and being able to kind of figure out how to do everything, um, how to get that guy in-house, how to maybe keep some of your – best assets and also how to then try to hit the free agent market as well. And I understand that a lot of people are probably going to be thinking how they just want to not do any of this. They just, you know, just go ahead on the path that the Knicks are currently on. And I'm not saying blow it up by any means, but I look at reinvesting a lot of these assets into something like a Donovan Mitchell because of the fact that the Knicks have a lot of them at their disposal. They have a ton of assets. This is in so many ways, what you use it for. It's to move up or to trade for something. So um, I, I'm sure we'll we'll get in it, you know, we'll, we'll obviously have more of a, of a discussion on this in a moment, but um, there was, was kind of one moment that I saw in the game yesterday, or whenever you're listening to this two days ago, where Donovan Mitchell was near the top of the key and he was looking to hit Gobert on the roll But instead, he threw a no-look pass to Jordan Clarkson in the corner and completely Uh, caught the defense off guard. And Clarkson knocked down the three. And it's like – it's that type of play where it's just – the level of talent in order to kind of have that, it's fantastic. And you just – you pay to get that type of a player in the building. I think you you put it really well and – Goodness. So (laughs) it's funny. Did I tell you that I was working on a couple RJ 
well, it was going to be one RJPs and it turned into two. And it, it, by the time I'm done with it, it might be three because it's just, there's a lot there um, to dig into. Did I tell you I was working on some RJ stuff for this week? No. So I'm excited to, to read it. Talk about, um, talk about karma. Um, I, I, and again, not to spoil those pieces, uh, but I, I, I have to try to be delicate here. There's a chance RJ Barrett's really good. Like there's a definite chance that because he has the work ethic, he has the mental makeup for New York, which not everybody has, um, even when they may think they have it. People don't always have it. Um, the organization loves him, adores him, I think, genuinely. I think like people want him to succeed in like within the Knicks. People want him to succeed. Um, but I think we need to be realistic about what not only forget about what he is now because what he is now doesn't really matter it's what matter it's in two three four years i think we need to be realistic about what his ceiling outcome is and i think we need to be realistic about what his floor outcome is and i just like i'm at the point where i'm writing the, the towards the end of like the second second one of these newsletters and i i had to put something in there about how like you know, I see some people on the internet throwing, like, making comparisons between him and other players that, like, you know, physically, in terms of just the stuff that they could do. Like, I, I, there, I think there are a subset of people out there who are like, yeah, I'm totally fine that we got the third pick in the draft. It's like, yeah, sure, Zion looks good, Ja looks good, but RJ looks good. It's like, you know, six, six one, half dozen the other. No, it's not. Those guys are two of the top ten. Assets in the NBA right now, whatever you think of our, of uh, Zion's weight and whatnot, it's like, would you agree with that, Jeremy? Those are both two top 10 assets, being that they're both rookies and like cheap for three more years. Yeah, I would absolutely say that. You know, if you want to quibble and say like top 12, I would have to really go through it. But I, I would argue like RJ is a top, I, I was about to say 50 asset, but like I don't. I w- that makes me feel uncomfortable and I would feel more comfortable saying like top 75 asset in the league. And even that I'm not sure is where like, it depends your- where it depends how you, I mean, if you're saying generally, then I'd really have to think a little bit more about that. I'd say amongst the rookies, he's probably not. No, I'm talking if you're about, on your, I'm just talking right, about assets like in the like, league. Yeah. It's, it's pretty high. I, I would just want to say that the one thing about Zion and jaw and RJ is, you could be looking at a situation in five to ten years where RJ has the highest floor just based on – depending on what happens on with Zion's weight, depending on Jaws landing mechanics. But if you're going to say, well, which one would you rather take, then RJ wholeheartedly ranks third right now. Like it, there's no – Well, there's not a GM in the league who would like – Exactly. There, I, I, maybe there's – I don't know, five or 10 GMs who would take Jaw over Zion. Maybe more. I don't actually, I don't know. I guess it, that probably comes down to your own personal risk aversion as a person and as a franchise. But like, what, built, but yeah. But if, if 29 other GM gems had to rank, what do you take? Who are you taking? One, two, or three? Like, there's not a single one who's going to put RJ in higher than third. Um, I think like the better question is like, if you ask 29 other GMs, who would they rather have, RJ Barrett or Tyler Hero? I do. 10 GMs take Harrow? Do 15? 20? Like, I, if you t- if like you told me that, that people were polled and like 18 people picked Harrow over Barrett, like, would would you think that that was 
crazy. I personally wouldn't. The guy's shooting 38% from three and is like 15, five and five in the bubble. So I don't know. I'd say they're prisoners of the moment a bit, but I wouldn't call them crazy. I don't know. I've watched that kid a few times. I, he's <laughs> whatever. I don't, the, my point here is not to trash on RJ because I want RJ to succeed. I like RJ. He's a, he's a good kid and he works hard. And I do think that there is a real floor there that like worst case scenario, he will figure out enough stuff to be a starter, like an important starter, a meaningful starter, like a, you know, Igudala level player on the Warriors in terms of impact, um, like it long term. I, I think he will get there. But when we're talking about the possibility of acquiring, whether it's Donovan Mitchell and whether it's, you know, are we going to hear Ben Simmons name? bantied about this summer are we going to hear trey young's name bantied about in the next year or two does he want to stay in atlanta long term are we going to hear you know devin booker probably not now what he's doing but you never know um like those are whether it's the best player on a championship team is i don't even think is like the the important discussion it's like can this guy be the guy with the ball on his hands the most on a championship team right and if that's the question, I think Donovan Mitchell is it checks the box that you want, right? Yeah. So yeah. with all that in mind, I have two <laughs> I have two slight issues with your with your piece. And I'm not gonna spoil the piece, but I am gonna I'm gonna take you up on two two things. One, I think the only way the Jazz would ever move Mitchell is if he is it in the scenario that we and I think you you imply this, but I just I think we, it needs to be said outright is if he goes to them and is like, I'm not signing this and I'm not going to sign it a year from now. And you, you know, um, I, maybe he goes to them and is like, you know, if anything, maybe I won't outwardly publicly demand to go to some particular place. But I don't know. Maybe I'll just do that. Like, that's the only circumstance that I could imagine him being traded. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah. And I since it's not published at this very moment i may go back and make that just a little bit clearer where yes it's oh, not a matter make of just my like, life hell why don't you it's all right it's fine it's fine it's okay i'm gonna blow it up yeah i'm gonna blow up your <laughs> um i didn't spend all this time writing uh the piece just for for that so, yeah so I, agree it's not the sort of thing where donna mitchell's like you know i need to see some changes before i do something it's very much I don't want to be here. And I'm not reporting that. Here Sorry, I just want to say, I'm not reporting that. I'm just right. saying that that, that it would be the only – sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I mean there was a, what I thought was a really fascinating article this past week that Donovan Mitchell wrote on the Players' Tribune. Yep. And you talked about this uh, – you tweeted about it where basically at the end when he says, I love Utah, I love the Jazz, I love all my fans, I love the game of basketball, where you thought it was – basically saying like it's not you it's me and sort of like that sign of a breakup and whether whether i agree but whether or not we're reading into it too much is up for debate i did think it was really fascinating though that you know like he doesn't comment for other stories especially on the rift between him and rudy gobert and he mentioned gobert once in his article and it was just about when gobert got it like like there's nothing it didn't feel like there was this incredible connection to me. And he obviously talks about um, Louisville where he went to school and uh, Brown Taylor and how important all of that is to him. And there was something about though what he was writing. Where he said at the end of the day, if you rock my jersey, you should know what I stand for. 
look, let's just call it what it is. Utah has had a history well, of you race. You need to say it. Just go. Anyone should go read the comments in the the article. What, what's the article? Um, it came out like a month ago, right? Yeah. That's what yeah. got this all. Or maybe the Instagram. It was something where he put his stance out there and Utah, ostensibly Utah fans were basically were like, I think, you know, said in different ways, like, I completely disagree with you. Um, you this is disgusting. I don't, I, you know, I will not want to like root for the jazz anymore because this is how you feel. And I think it's important for him because, I mean, on on one side of the jersey is maybe like kind of this, this, um, focal point of hatred that he may feel of white America in so many ways. And on the back where he has say her name, it, it feels more empowering. And so you could say, yeah, the one thing is always going to be on the front, at least while I'm in that Jersey, but just know what the back stands for and what I stand for. And just kind of, you know, I mean, you could, you could talk about that and Gobert and his relationship. And you could talk about the fact that the jazz just based on the way that they're constructed, it's really the next few years. Can I mean, we talk they, about that? Because, like, with the bogey contract, and I like bogey as a player. Uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't call him bogey. Bogey's in Sacramento. Bogdanovich. Um, they gave him a healthy bit of money, and he had a good year. But, you know, I'm not sure who's trading for that contract or who wants it or if he's going to be worth it in a year or two. Mike Connolly is – he's picking up that player option for th- – th- what is it? $30 million? 30 more. Might be more, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, he's 32. And then a year from a year after that, uh, guess what, folks? Rudy Gobert is eligible for the uh, Supermax, uh, yep. which, oh boy. Um, yeah, I don't know if he sees that as a situation, especially since no free agent of note has. Let me make sure before I say this. Have, has any free agent of note ever come to Utah? Bogdanovich is really one of the biggest that they've seen in a while. So no all-star has ever. I mean, maybe Joe, uh, Joe Johnson. But that was oh, that was at later. The end though. of his career. Yeah, no, 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 that was later. It, it, I don't. An, an all star has never looked at Utah and been like, "Yes, that's the place that I'm going to go." I think it has a nice reputation because Malone and Stockton stayed there for so long. But then, you know, go listen to Carl Malone talk, and that makes a little more sense. Um, yep. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no shade on him. Uh, shout out to Yash. Sorry. Um, so okay, there's that part of it. Now that we got that out of the way. If they, if he is like, I'm out and they decide they're going to, okay, we're going to be proactive like we were with the Darren Williams thing a decade ago and trade him. Um, and he doesn't publicly come out. And I don't even know if this would matter because Kawhi kind of, you know, there were murmurs and then he ended up going to Toronto and would Toronto make that deal again? I, I imagine they would. Anyway, um, I was going to say, unless he demands to go someplace in particular, I think the bidding war for him would make it such that I don't know that it would matter what the Knicks put on the table. And you can I can I say the deal you ultimately proposed? Please do. Um, It was Barrett, this year's draft pick. um, And I, I forget if you assumed that it would be top four or that maybe they would trade up to get into the top four. But like, for, let's for argument's sake, assume it's a top four pick. Um, next year, so this would have to get around the Stepien rule. This would have to happen um, after draft night. Uh, next year's pick, I think you made it top 10 protected and then the, a 2023 unprotected pick. Um, you could actually do that deal on draft night because of the fact that the Knicks have the Mavericks draft. Are you sure about that? Yeah, you can't have 
you can have another team's draft pick um, as you know ser- serving as one to get around Stepien. The whole point is you can't have two in a row in the future. You can't have two years where you have no first round picks. And I also want to say one thing I've said in the past, which I want to correct, is you can put protections on another team's picks. You just uh, can't put it on protected picks. So the Knicks can place protections on the Mavericks pick in 2021, but not 2023. One thing that I I think the the Knicks, I, I actually at this point would almost be surprised if they did not do this, something of this nature would be to engage in a trade in the next, I don't know, several months where they top, I don't know, four, six, 10 lottery, whatever, protected the 2021 Dallas pick. And if it doesn't convey, then the team gets the 2023, but we're, we're getting off base. Um, I don't think that's, I, even if the Knicks offered that, I don't think, not only do I, am I not sure that that would be the best offer? I don't know if it would be among the top five offers, which gets me to my other quibble, and the two things you'll see are related, which is that I don't, I still, and I wrote this last week, and I'm going to stand by this. I still don't think that this is a trade the Knicks can do this summer because I just don't think their assets are in a place where they could pull this off. Because, and, and I want to, before I, I want to go through a couple of potential landing spots for Mitchell that I think would beat the offer for that the Knicks could put. But the only thing, other thing I want to say is like, let's just say for argument's sake, they did that deal this summer, right? Utah has no idea whether or not later in the summer, because let's just say it was a draft night trade, right? Let's say two days later or whatever it is, three days later when free agency opens, the Knicks don't go out and with their how much cap space would they have at that point i think they would have up to i don't know 50 million dollars is that something Wait, more- if it something if it happened if this deal happened this year if this deal happened on draft night rj out mitchell in then with all the draft pick stuff right the mm-hmm. knicks are going to have to spend up to what this upcoming offseason 16- they would have a they would have about 40 million or so in cap space because the 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 pick would have to match the salaries have to match in some way where it'd probably be like ed davis coming along with donovan mitchell and it probably wind up being around 40 million it's it's a fair number depending of course on what the salary cap is if it's 190 million let's assume it's this year let's assume it's it's 115 so great they have 40 million dollars to spend they also have julius randall who if they really wanted to move him could attach something you know, whether it's the Pistons pick next year, whatever. The point is, if they wanted to get like $60 million in space, what's to stop them from going and signing? Oh, I don't know. DeMar DeRozan. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm literally picking names out of my ass. Um, and Gallo. Eh, no, that's probably not good. But like Fred Van Fleet, let's say, which I know Fred Van Fleet and Mitchell maybe are don't make the most sense, but I don't actually hate that pairing either um and they instantly become close to a 50 win team in the east next year suddenly those picks that are the centerpiece of, well there's barrett and that, so that's my point i guess if you're making the trade for utah you need to bank on those picks being something real like a real potential asset and if the knicks go out and they blow their load wise or otherwise I think it devalues what you just got in a trade and you're sitting there and you're like, I just gave away Donovan Mitchell for 
RJ Barrett and I mean, maybe Anthony Edwards would make them think about it. I, I don't, I can't imagine LaMelo Ball ending up in Utah, but you see where I'm getting at here? Yeah. Well, just to kind of cut it off at the knees, the, what I suggested would have been, um, it would be carried out around the deadline, the trade deadline, because okay, that makes essentially then it would be, all right, we have a much better idea as to where the Knicks are going to pick, where the Mavericks are going to pick. We know the player that was drafted in 2020, how they're doing. We can examine how RJ's doing. We can even see how Mitch is doing it. All these sort of things where uh, I just don't see any deal materializing this offseason because of the fact that the Jazz would probably say, look, Donovan, we, like, we're not just going to trade you because you don't want to be here. We want to work with you. Maybe we can try to change your mind. And we can try to work something out. And then if there's a certain point where uh, at that deadline, they go back to him and say, all right, um, we, we've just like we can't sign you right now, but we need to know if you're committed or not. And if he says, no, I really don't want to be here, then they say, OK, well, this changes a lot. And then they probably look to consider dealing him. Uh, they look to consider maybe dealing Rudy Gobert because they realize we could lose him for nothing. And it's this entire change in the dynamic of their entire team. So I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I said this in the article and I'll say it here. And I, I even tweeted about it. The fact that Walt Perrin worked in the Utah Jazz front office gives the Knicks a unique understanding of what <laughs> prospects Utah likes. So maybe it is that the Jazz are fawning over um, LaMelo Ball and they know that they'll never get him. Maybe they love the idea of having Anthony Edwards. It's just something in the way that it, it starts to change the conversation. Because again, draft picks are great. They could be anything. But the moment those draft picks convey, they turn into a player and that can be a lot harder to move based on uh, a slew of things like fit, talent, injuries, uh, really anything that it might be. So okay. in, terms, in terms of what's going on here, yes, I, I agree with you. And that's why I think that uh, any offer that occurs, it wouldn't be right now. I expect the Knicks to roll into next year with much of the core that they have in place. But I guess it kind of goes into the larger discussion, which is I'm also open to dealing more than that. Like I, I, I'm very comfortable with if it takes more than the offer we discussed or that I that I suggested – adding to it because at the end of the day this is kind of the analogy that i've been kicking around in my head uh, and you know me i love my expressions i love my analogies oh so, yes you do so here we go you know you could have a situation where like i love pizza and i love I pizza could, too great it, it's it's such a fantastic thing to bond over Wonderful um, food. so if you're the knicks or you know like you, you could basically say i want to make a pizza myself and you could do your research and take the time uh, and invest in finding the right dough. Yeast. You, need, you exactly. need yeast. Or the, you need yeast. Right. Yeah, you need um, yeast. The right tomato sauce. You know, what consistency do you want? Do you want it to be sweeter? Do you want it to be tangy? Do you want it to be chunky? How do you want it to work? What, pot, what, uh, what cheese works with it? You know, the best type of mozzarella, mozzadel, whatever it might be <laughs> that you love. Or I, I love uh, meatball and mushrooms on my pizza. So – Meatball and mushrooms. It's a great combination. I highly recommend it. Um, you maybe, you know, you figure out what the freshest mushrooms might be or uh, what ground beef can be perfect for the meatballs. And it's all these things coming together. And it's not, I, remind me not to eat pizza with you. Hey, hey, I like other slices too. I'm just saying this is a very nice, it's, it works together. It's not too much food, but you have all this coming together. And I could, do everything I could to make this type of pizza. 
And it, it probably tastes fine. Maybe it tastes good. Maybe it tastes great. But oh, I, have I'm a, I have a great practice. comeback. Keep, but continue. Sure. Maybe we, you know, it just takes a lot of practice for me. And um, it's going to take time for me to be able to develop the pizza to the best it can be. Practice makes perfect. Or I can do what I did last weekend, which was um, just get in a car and go to L&B Spumoni Gardens and Tafara and buy pizza. And you know what? It saved me a lot of time. The cost really wasn't that significantly different. And the quality that I got from those two restaurants far outweighs anything that I could have cooked at home. So just to kind of bring this all together, most of you have probably caught on by now with where I'm going at. But uh, Donovan Mitchell or a player like him who may be attainable is Spumoni Gardens. He is DeFara. The players that the Knicks currently have, those are the ingredients that I'm hoping can come together to create something far better. But the track record I have for cooking pizza is not necessarily great. It could be good because I'm bringing, you know, like I'm getting all my chef friends to come in and help me. But at the end of the day, there's a product that I know for years has operated deliciously. And I'd be silly not to consider just going with that. So, man, okay. And take this one step at a time. The thing about a pizza that you make at home, and I've I've made some pizzas at home, is that no, it doesn't taste as good as the Farah um, or LMB, but there's something about it that because you made it, it's special. And I think the fans out there who are going to read what you wrote and who like read what I say about this, because look, I'm I don't disagree with you. I it's I. It, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think that's where the hangup is. And it's yeah, like- it's this, this need to have something homegrown because for years we have seen the Knicks not be able to do that. And so it's this overvaluing of what is ours because we claim it ours because we so desperately want to build something from the ground up. But continue. We could even take it a step further and it's like. I don't know what you consider the most important um, ingredient to a good pizza is. Let's just, for argument's sake, let's just say it's the quality of the cheese. And building your pizza at home, it's like you order, you order the cheese from a food delivery service. Except you can't specify the quality of the cheese. It's like you're just going to put down mozzarella, and you might get literally it, it just came out of the water mozzarella, or you might get um, some polio that's three weeks past its expiration date. And you just don't know. And that's the draft, right? That's building through the draft. You just, it's, it, there's a certain amount of chance. Now, what the Knicks did last year in trying to go get their pizza was they tried to make it from, um, I live in Massapequa Park. They tried to make it from Massapequa Park to, um, God, I forget what street Defara is on. Um, I'll, I'll just go with LMB since that's my choice anyway. They tried to make it all the way to 86th Street and Avenue X, um, on, uh, with the, you know, the light was already on when they got in the car, um, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, we'll probably make it. Then what's the worst that happens if we don't make it? Well, you're fucked then you lose your job. That's what happens this year. I think the Knicks are being wise in that they are going to let me see how far I could take this analogy. Um, Okay, you may not love all of the pizza options available in and around Little Italy, but it's more than just one, right? There's a couple of different ones. There's like, I think the oldest pizzeria in New York is there. You're not far from a couple other ones in that area of Manhattan. I think they're, 
they're going there and they're confident. It's like, all right, the wait, you know, it's like the wait at the Farah might be too long. And by the time you actually get in, you're, you're, or you get your slice, it's like, screw this. I think there's, they're going to, they feel like they're going to enough, to a place where there's enough options that they're going to be able to get into one of those pizzerias. Right. And I think that's the difference between this regime and the last regime. Um, I don't think I, did I properly kill that analogy? I think so. I think it's dead. No, no. I mean, first of all, the, Everyone knows that the key ingredient is the water. That's why New York bagels and New York pizzas. Okay. Well, that wouldn't have worked as well. Well, but it's true. So, um, no, I don't think it kills that at all because much like in basketball, uh, you have several different great pizzerias. You have several different great players who are available. You don't have to just go to Spumoni Gardens to get that one guy because, yeah, there are other pizza places. But that could still be a much easier thing to do. And in a, um, a wiser return on your investment than cooking what you've got or going to a local place that maybe isn't going to be as good. But it's just because of the fact that you're pressed for time or whatever reason there may be. Um, it's not as much of an issue. So I, I don't think it, it kills it. I just I think it just further explains that it is very involved and you can still find other options just it doesn't have to be the the one or two that's closest to you or it doesn't have to be in your own house. Yeah. Um, I think that's well said. The, so let's to, to close this out. So we're going to fast forward to next year's trade deadline. I actually am going to do something that may surprise you. Um, I think if next year goes as the Knicks hope it will go, um, which is – Thibodeau makes the team look good. They have built a functional roster um, such that uh, R.J. Barrett will have an easier time looking good than he did last year. Um, and and on top of that, R.J. Barrett um, makes a, a maybe a mini leap um, between his rookie year and this season. And on top of that, they end up with either LaMelo Ball or... Um, Anthony Edwards in the draft. Now, LaMelo complicates this a little bit because I think, like I said, I think they want to keep keep Barrett and I think they want to hang on to him. And I would just, I find it a bit hard to believe that Ball would come here and play well and then they would turn around and given like the relationship between Wes and rock nation and the whole thing, like they would turn around and flip him to Utah, which is not like, I know the kid played in Lithuania, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing that one. So this is not the perfect scenario, but let's, let's for argument say, say Anthony Edwards, right? Anthony Edwards comes here and somehow Tom Thibodeau waves, waves his magic wand and makes the pairing of Anthony Edwards and RJ Barrett look functional on a team that right now I, oh God, I can't even imagine those two playing together, whatever. It looks good. And Edwards looks good. And Edwards looks the part he's raw, right? But he looks the part team. Isn't great team. Maybe starts out like, I don't know, 15 and 25, but they're playing like a solid brand of basketball, whatever. In that scenario, I bet you they could get it done for Edwards. The 2021 pick with like, Almost no protections. Let's say top four. Um, and I think in this scenario, Dallas would need to be bad. Not bad, but like, I don't know, the eighth seed, 
the ninth seed, like maybe they miss the playoffs, um, and the Dallas pick, and a future New York unprotected pick, and maybe even the way they would craft it would be like how LA and New Orleans crafted that trade, where it's like it's not just that New Orleans is getting two picks, it's that um, they basically control the Lakers draft for a period of like four years or five years. Yeah. I don't think it would go that far, but I think they would be at least something in there where it's like, all right, if we don't like this pick, we're just going to kick it over to the next year. Um, then I could see them actually pulling off a deal without having to give up both Barrett and the rookie that they draft this year. And I think there'll probably be like another piece, you know, I don't know what, what another young player or whatever. Um, and I still, what, what would you think of that? Do you think that's feasible? Well, two things. Uh, one, I mean, the Lakers, drafted Lonzo Ball and then traded him to the smallest market in the NBA. This he is obviously true. had Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson alongside with him, but I mean, New Orleans is an incredibly small market, so it doesn't it, it would not Utah though. It's not Utah, sure. It's not but, Utah. But you know what? It's the sort of thing where that's not really the Knicks problem. Because at the end of the day, if they they're still gonna have solid relationships, it's just business at that point. So <laughs> did you really just it's, it's, just not, personal. it's, it's not, not personal. It's not personal. It's strictly business. Oh, um, my God. For those who are also listening to this without having read the piece, one thing that I pointed out is that I personally would much rather trade Mitchell Robinson first. Uh, you could obviously say, well, Jeremy, I mean, the Jazz have no need for Mitchell Robinson. And I'd say, yes, you're you're probably right. I mean, if they were to turn around and deal – Rudy Gobert at the trade deadline because they realize their entire team is about to be destroyed, then Mitchell Robinson's a little bit more appealing. Uh, but you look at a team maybe like the Warriors where they have some assets at their disposal. Maybe they say Mitchell Robinson can help put us over the top because the West is very crowded and we have a window and we need to win now. Um, so you can always get him for a more liquid asset and then you can keep RJ Barrett and then you could trade that pick that you got um, for Mitchell Robinson and whatever the 2020 draft, uh, the player drafted was. And maybe you can then um, more heavily protect your 2021 pick or you can deal the Mavs pick. And so it, all sure. these things, it, there's, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on. But I think the one thing, and this is actually another article that I've got this week, is a lot of this also depends on the direction that the Knicks plan on going next year. Because... And this this will be my fourth installment of uh, Coming Up Roses. There we go. Where basically it's what happens if the Knicks just focus a little bit more on salary dumps than they do building a more cohesive win-now team. Okay. Because for fans who are still kind of thinking this is too much for me, any deal is too rich, if the Knicks are getting more assets in of some sort, then what are you really giving up by trading some of them? And if you're still at equilibrium or you're up – one first round pick over the next seven drafts. That sounds pretty good to me. I mean, if there's any opportunity where you have essentially traded um, Christoph's Porzingis for Donovan Mitchell, I mean, obviously there's, there's more nuance and there's a lot more, it's not quite that easy, but the gist of it, if you traded one asset and then later got back another and you use the picks, like even renting out Marcus Morris for two thirds of the season, like that to me is how you're able to, to, build up your cache of your cache of assets and then 
do something like this. Look, notice notice nothing that has come out of my mouth uh, thus far. This podcast has been like, oh, no, I wouldn't do that if I was the Knicks. This is purely from a perspective of like, what is it going to take and how little can they get away with giving it to me? It's like if you could get Donovan Mitchell, you, you know, you, you get Donovan Mitchell before we get out of here. Uh, I'm going to throw some um, offers on the table. Um, so I guess you could play who's 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 Utah's GM. Oh, shit. is it Dennis Lindsay still? Yeah. Uh, well, let's just say let's just say it's Lindsay for the sake of the argument. Yeah, whatever. You you are you are Utah GM uh, Cohen um, and I am going to put on various hats. So um, the first one I want to throw out at you is I'm here in Philly. I am. My name is Elton Brand. Um, we are moving on from Ben Simmons. We do not believe the Ben Simmons partnership with um, Joel Embiid is long for this world. Um, let's craft a deal around Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. Um, we'll even take back Mike Connolly's salary, and we want um, we'll send you Simmons and I don't know whether it's you know Shake Milton or Josh Richardson, like some you know one of those guys. What well, I to me, I don't know. Maybe it's crazy. I think that's it, again pe- pending Ben Simmons being okay playing in Utah, which is like a caveat for all these. Like I, that's a deal that I think makes a lot of sense. What do you think? I hate the fit between Simmons and Gobert. If we're assuming Gobert is still on the team in this scenario, um, again, you know, it's just it's really tough to think that someone like Ben Simmons is going to necessarily want to be in Utah long term. So if you're trading Donovan Mitchell, then you're going to want more than a five year contract because then it feels like the first. Three years are going to be let's do everything we can to build around Ben Simmons and win. And then the fourth year is going to be dogged by, well, Ben Simmons is going to be a free agent soon. And then the fifth season is going to be, wow, Ben Simmons is a free agent at the end of this year. So let's figure out a way where uh, if he's going to stay or do we need to trade him? What's going to happen? Because we don't want to get into the same situation all over again where Gordon Hayward walks for nothing. So I think on paper – there's a there's an understanding of why that deal works, but I just there are a lot of players who are about to be or on their second NBA contracts that to me it doesn't make a lot of sense for them. Okay, no, that's fair. I the the fit with Gobert, I understand obviously why you say it wouldn't work, but I think I don't know. There's a there's a universe where I could see that being okay. I just I but I agree with you. I don't. I, I think there's some about it doesn't doesn't pass the smell test for me. Um, Okay, now I'm going to put on um, the hat of the team that owned the pick that was used to get Donovan Mitchell, the Denver Nuggets. Um, I got Michael Porter Jr. Just lighten up Orlando. And I will give you him and Gary Harris. And, um, you know, I'll throw in something else. I'll throw in like a future, a future first that at some point will become unprotected. I was going to originally say Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, but I I don't I don't think that the Nuggets would do that. But I think they would put MP uh, Michael Porter Jr. and and Gary Harris. What do you think about that? Uh if I'm the Jazz, I say no. Um really? First of all, I yeah, I, you know, I mean, we we've seen them have a have draft trades. I mean, they the Donovan Mitchell trade and the Rudy Gobert trade. I still think that trading within your own division 
especially when it comes to star talent, is uh, it's just rare for a reason. Because the last thing you want is for your division rival to have the player that you had. Like, imagine the Knicks trading Porzingis to the Sixers or the Celtics. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be <laughs> hell for so many Knicks fans. At least in the West, Knicks fans don't have to worry about him as much. Of course, Luka helps, you know, doesn't help that. But point being, I think if you're the Jazz, you say, well, Denver, you've been trying to get rid of Gary Harris for a, a little bit. He's still got two years left on his deal. Uh, we don't really want that. There's not much we can do with his contract. Uh, and with Michael po- Michael Porter Jr., like, yes, he's absolutely lighting it up. But the question that's always been lingering for MPJ has been his how he's able to um, survive yeah. over the course of an NBA career. I mean, his brother, Jonte, continuously hurts himself. His sister, I believe, has torn her ACLs, not exaggerating, five times. That's a lot of times. There, you already have Porter Jr. on having back surgery. There's a lot going on with him. So if just for – I'd say for the, the durability reasons and trading your star to a, a team that is in your division, those two reasons alone give me severe pause if I'm Utah. All right. Um, yeah, I also I, – see, to me, that's more a fit issue because I think Denver – like what guys can do when they don't have the ball in their hands. And I think if you're trading for Donovan Mitchell, you're trading for, for him to have like a 30% usage or close to a 30% usage. And mm-hmm. um, that's just not going to happen with Jokic. So, and and Michael Porter Jr. like moves great without the ball as we've, we've unfortunately seen um, just seems like he's going to be a great shooter. So I, yeah, I, I could see both teams maybe, you know, having some, some pause there. I will say though, I, I think with, uh, with Denver, if you were to able, if you were to get Jamal Murray elsewhere, like if you were to somehow do a Jamal Murray for Drew holiday swap, it makes more sense for Denver. I That's... don't know how that would necessarily work for a team like new Orleans. Um, but you could always try to figure out some sort of three yeah. team deal that, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, I don't know. Denver, Denver, Denver's gonna be an interesting team to watch over the next year or two. Um, I wrote down Karis LeVert's name here because I just wrote his name down here. I'm, I'm a big fan of Karis LeVert. He's not good enough to go get Donovan Mitchell, and the Nets don't really have much um, by way of, of draft assets, especially since they're going to need to give up their pick this year. Not that it's going to be a great pick, but, um, you know, and the problem is the Jazz don't need Jared Allen. And it's like Spencer Dinwiddie, is he really going to stay there? So I guess we don't really talk about that. Um I think other teams can outbid the Nets. That's I agree. the bottom line. Um, another name I wrote down that I'm not – I felt it was worth throwing out there because, you know, Danny Ainge always wants to swing through the fences. Jalen Brown is um, was pretty close to becoming an all-star this year. He was on the short list of guys who didn't make it. Um, he's really freaking good. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think of that? I, maybe I don't love the fit with Mitchell and Kemba and Tatum. That's, a, again, a lot of guys who you want with the ball in their hand, right? Yeah. I've long thought that a pretty fun trade, if you're involving the Jazz and the Celtics, is Brown for oh, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, but I, they're not going to do that. But they're not going to. Right. So, no, I don't think it'll work quite as well. I think also there are some concerns about Kemba's knee. I don't know how that'll do long term so yeah you could have some insurance that way but if you're to assume that he's healthy i mean that's a which that's they a, would i think right yeah i mean that's a great okay. one through three but it just it the, the talent isn't as balanced as you need it to be like jalen fits very well in that role and i 
I think Donovan Mitchell would not thrive in the way that we're able to see Jalen Brown. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think you're still upgrading, but you're still losing a lot of what you need to be a championship contender by bringing in Donovan Mitchell. Um, all right. I got three. Well, two more for you because I wrote down Colin Sexton's name, but I'm like thinking to myself, if Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to stay in Utah, is he really going to be gung ho about resigning in Cleveland? Um, maybe not. And Sexton would need to put together just a audaciously good uh, beginning of next year. Um, okay. Two more. Uh, you got to write down Miami because it's Miami. So yep. Harrow. Um, I guess it would be Harrow and Nunn. I guess it would be Harrow and Nunn. See, but the problem there, there is they can't like the next pick they could trade away is like 2025 or 26. Right. And, you know, I actually at some point there was a Heat fan not too long ago in my mentions that said that the Heat had better assets in like Harrow, Nunn and Robinson than the Knicks have period on the floor. And I was like, um, I personally don't agree with that. But OK, buddy. It, it is the first round picks. That is the issue. It's look, whatever you think of Hero versus um, RJ Barrett, whatever. I I just think that the fact that the Knicks have so many picks at their disposal and have and they can control their own destiny of those picks much more easily, that it makes a ton of sense the for picks, why they can. Have the yeah. Picks. Yes. No, it comes right. down to the picks. I I don't know though. Man, Harrow's Harrow's really good. I like that kid. Um, I mean, he's white enough for Utah, so that's why I'm sure love him. He's definitely he's as white as he's as white as the gilded lily. Um, I said, our lilies are white, right? Yeah, it yeah. can be white. Okay, there you go. Um, last up, and this kind of harkens back to what I wrote um, last week uh, is. Uh, I don't. I can't imagine he'd want to go to Chicago, but Levine and Markkinen, um, there would need to be some more money coming back. I guess it would be Bogdanovich. I don't. I don't know where that's getting the Bulls, um, but just throwing it out there. I don't know. Um, man, it's not, you. It's interesting. You love sending these white players to Utah, and I get it. I, I, ju- I, I just find I me a white guy, what? and I'm going to send them to Utah. That's um, it. Send them home. Again, I, it goes back to the discussion of having a player resign in a place like Utah. And there's only two years left of team control. And if this deal transpires, say, at the deadline, then you're really looking at only a year and a quarter of Zach Levine before possibly exists that he's gone. And I, I do think one thing is important to point out as well. Things don't necessarily have to fit. If you're trading your best player you don't necessarily go by fit. You can amass as much talent as possible and then try to trade. Like if you are the jazz and going back to Ben Simmons, like Ben Simmons of all the players we've talked about is far and away the best asset that has been offered. So if you're the jazz, you can say, great, we've got Ben Simmons, Uh, Ben, we're going to turn around and we're probably going to deal you and we're going to get something great out of that. And then we're going to build from those ashes and rise like a phoenix. (laughs) But a la Paul George, maybe exactly. Perhaps, but you're yeah. still taking a risk there, which is why this this is why I see the Knicks as such a fantastic trade partner with Utah. At least the crux of it is, if the Jazz wanted to completely hit reset, they don't have to wait on anything. They can do it right away. The direction of the team is abundantly clear. It's not like like I, I still love what the Thunder have done this year, and I'm completely surprised. I thought they were going to be. A mid-30s win team. I think a lot of us did. But yeah. 
it's the sort of thing where as much as as fun as this winning is, I'm sure there's a part of Sam Presti that's like, God, I we're just kind of delaying our Whoa. rebuild. And I just I really just want to go back to that. Like I can't break it up and I won't unless I'm blown away by an offer. But that's coming. That's coming next year. Yeah, if he's smart. To, right. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if Chris Paul is dealt. I think a team like Milwaukee would be a lot of fun to see him on. But I digress. The point being the Knicks give you that opportunity to just just bow out and choose a new direction and not kind of go from one to the other and then get to where you want to be if you're Utah. It just all comes down to how willing the Knicks are to include these assets uh, and especially you know what kind of trade demand Donovan Mitchell has because the reality is that he could say whatever team he wants to go to and it really may not matter. I mean we saw Kyrie. He wanted to go to four teams. He went to none of them. Porzingis, he wanted to go to four teams. He went to none of them. It, it, Utah doesn't have to take in, take a thought process into consideration. But it's still, if you're able to find the best offer and all parties involved are happy, all things considered, it works out. And that's why I think the Knicks match up well in that department. Um, if they if they make their assets look a little better. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's – but agreed, and that's on – the coaching staff. That's on. It's on. The, it's on Tibbs. It's on the front office. It's on whoever the hell they hired it to help develop these kids. It's like get shooting around them, see what they can do. Yes, which is why this whole episode. You know, I, I this whole. I, I think I may entitle this episode putting the putting the cart before the horse because that that is what this is. It's putting the cart before the horse because you said it, I said it. It's just it's not. They're not in the position right now to make this deal. Um, Maybe they will be. And listen, if they are in a position to make the deal and they whether they do or they don't, that's good, right? Because that means things have gone well on the court, which is, you know, ultimately the goal. Um, okay. I think we've covered this one pretty well. Jeremy, before we get out of here, anything uh, anything from you? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll plug this. And I've got my other article coming out on just salary dumps and some thoughts there. And I'll also plug your articles on RJ John. I'm excited <laughs> for those. But no, other you. than that, uh, yeah, of course. Other than that, it's uh, all good on my end right now. All right. Um, yeah, it's all it's all good over here too. Um, do I have anything to plug? I don't think I have anything to plug. Um, yeah, just uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We'll be back with another episode. Uh, I'm sure I'll find someone to talk to me this week. And... Um, Until then, enjoy and be well.